0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. Uh, we're going to worship the Lord this morning, give him glory and praise. We ask everyone to please stand and let's worship God. Praise the Lord. Welcome again. Let's all greet each other with a big old hug and kiss and keep it holy.
1: Well, good morning, La Jolla Community Church. How are we doing today? Thank you. This isn't first service. You guys are supposed to be awake by now. You guys are my favorite service just because I'm awake to remember it most of the time. Uh, I'm kidding. So one of the things we wanted to talk about, we are a church that is rooted in prayer. So if you want to open up your Bibles, this is not a Bible. If you want to open up your bulletin, that's the other B word I'm looking for. Open up your bulletin. Right on the inside, there's a place where you can fill out your name, write down your information. But we are a church that is rooted in prayer, and we fully believe and expect God to show up when we pray. So if you would take a moment to fill that out, uh, tear it off. Nice little perforated edges there. Oh, look. Um, And you can hand that in when the uh, ushers come by with the offering. Put that right in a little basket, then you can keep your notes for the sermon. Um, and just give us the little, any, anything. There's no prayer that's too big, no prayer that's too small. We believe in coming together as a community. We as a staff come together and pray over these. We have a prayer team that prays over them. So whatever need you have, please fill that out. Turn it in when the ushers come by with the offering. We would be happy and excited to pray for you. So with that, uh, my name is Ryan Sylvia. I'm the youth director here at Lohea Community Church. And I just wanted to let you know a couple of things uh, that are going on over the next coming weeks. The first thing we have is the youth ministry. I am putting on a, some summer beach days this summer. So instead of hanging out in here in youth group, I thought it would be a really great idea just to spend time in worship and just exist in God's creation. We live in such a, such a beautiful, beautiful place. So I wanted to spend some time um, worshiping, hanging out together, being in community, out on the beach and just having some fun together. So the first beach day we have coming up is going to be on July 3rd. So the way that's going to work is I'm going to get there really, really early because it's the day before July 4th, which is a famous day in our country. And um, I'm going to get there super early. Uh, Any students who want to come hang out with me from 9 to 10, I'm going to have a little discipleship program that I will run. That will run six weeks throughout the summer, so if you want to come hang out with me any Wednesday during the summer, I will be there from 9 to 10 every Wednesday morning. It's going to be super, super fun. Um, And then in the evening from 6.30 to 8.30, we're going to hang out, have a little beach bonfire, cook some s'mores. Families are more than welcome to come hang out with us. I'll have a short little message, um, some time for the kids to get in discipleship to hang out together. But families are more than welcome to come hang out with us. It's going to be a really, really great time. Obviously, bring your swimwear because we're on the beach And that's what you do at the beach. Um, But please, come hang out with us. Uh, It's going to be a a fantastic, fantastic time. And that is at La Jolla Shores, Wednesday, July 3rd is the first one. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about, if you saw me last week, I probably sounded like a a frog or like I was going through puberty again. Um, We had just gotten back from summer camp, which was a fantastic time, right, guys? What, What is? Yeah, that's when you get excited. Woo! Come on, there we go, I like it, I like it. What was, so uh, one word, coolest thing about camp. Somebody shout it, coolest thing about camp. Camp. Camp, I like it. Laser tag, the giant mountain of ice cream, anything? Come on, you guys are killing me. Mustaches, I like it. So if you can't tell, we had an amazing, amazing, amazing time at camp. Uh, there's something about summer camps, there's the ice cream. It was disgusting, they loved it. No, no joke, this thing is like two feet high giant bowl of ice cream that the 14 of them just devoured in like 10 minutes um super super fun we had an amazing time um there's something about camp i haven't quite nailed down exactly what it is but there's something about camp that just changes people i have never been to a camp as a leader and not have my life changed as a kid i didn't have the opportunity to go to summer camp to go to a winter camp that was church related but every time i have been to camp god has showed up and god has changed my life i told the kids before we left if you expect God to show up, he will. Camp is what you get out of it. If you want to have a fantastic time, you expect God to meet you there. If you, if you have a need in your life and you're like, God, I need some wisdom here, he may not show up in the way that you want, but he always shows up. And I think it has something to do with the fact that the one thing we tend to hold on to the most in our lives is time, right? I couldn't tell you, there's been just about every week over the last several months where I've prayed, God, can you just like extend the day by like two hours today, like give me a 26-hour day just once so I can get enough done, Um, but it never happens, and I think going to camp has something to do with this idea that we give up what's most precious to us, right? For the junior hires and the high schoolers, it's I'm going to sacrifice a week of my summer to spend time with the Lord. For the high schoolers, that meant going as crazy as they took away all their watches, they took away all their phones, they took away every timepiece they had and just said we are spending this week with God. And they would send them off for solo time and just say, okay, go to solo time and we'll tell you when it's done. <laughs> right? So I'm glad you bring that up because there's this amazing thing called the women's retreat that is coming up. Fantastic. Perfect segue. I love it. I love it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm completely serious. Yes, we talk about kids camp and, and we have a blast there. But there's something to be said about sacrificing your time for the Lord saying, hey, God, I know I have a million things that I have to do when I get back. I have 7,000 emails that I need to respond to, 700 phone calls, a million other things to do, but I need you more. And so we put things together like this women's retreat, like the men's retreat that we do, um, and it's just a time where we can say, hey, God, I value you more than my time. And I want to put away everything, I want to set aside everything, and I want to engage in you. And I promise, I promise, if you expect the Lord to show up and you lean in and you listen, he always does. And this is a perfect retreat to do that. So in October, we're going to have this amazing time where the women can just go out. They're going up to Forest Home, the same place we do. I promise you, that place is anointed by God. It is, you, you just feel it when you're up there. You get up there and there's just something, there's just something different about that place. Because the Lord's presence exists there in a way that, that's so powerful. So if you have the time off, if you're available to go, I really, really encourage you, find a way to make it work. This camp will change your life, I promise. It's not just high school camps. These, these experiences where you, you just get to let everything go and lean into the Lord, your heart just gets filled up in a way that you'd never experienced before. So if you have the opportunity to go, I would really, really encourage it. Men, I know we've, we've got one later in the year. Look out for that. Get yourself engaged, I promise. When you expect the Lord to show up, when you have a faithful heart, he shows up. Well, thank you all for coming. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Um, And with that, youth, we're going to head out the back. Let's go.
2: Let's pray. Hi, Lisa. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for another beautiful day in your creation. We revel in the gift of another day as we praise and exalt you, our mighty God and King, you who is gracious and compassionate, you who is righteous and faithful and hears the cries of those who hear him and saves them. Father God, we know we have all sinned and fallen short of your glory we humbly confess our sins and ask you to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, I thank you for each person here today and for those who are watching from a distance. You have richly blessed us, Lord, and we thank you with hearts overflowing for all of those blessings. We thank you that we can come together this day as a family of believers in worship and in fellowship without fear of reprisal. Father, you have poured out your grace and love upon us, giving us opportunities to let our light shine, to share our love for you and our love for each other as we encourage and support one another. And we pray you will continue to bless LJCC and guide us on our journey to further your kingdom. Father, I lift up the LJCC community to you. We all have life, and I would simply ask that you would lay your healing hand upon all of us, whatever our need. Surround us with all your comfort and peace that transcends all understanding. Remind us we have nothing to fear, for you are the God who is near to all who call on you in truth and watches over all who love him. And now, Lord, speak to us through Steve as he shares your word with us. Open our hearts and minds to what you would have each of us take away this morning, and we thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name.
3: Linda, thank you. Well, good morning, and uh, isn't it nice to have summer? The June gloom has parted long enough for us to appreciate where we live. Fantastic. Uh, What are you reading this summer, and what movies are you seeing this summer? Let me just throw that out to you. Uh, Here's why. Because great stories move us, don't they? Great stories. So I hope you get some time to sit by a pool with a cool drink and read, and get caught up in a story that reframes the way you're experiencing your life. That's one of the most beautiful things and powerful things about a movie. They set a high bar for us. We read a, a story about somebody going through incredible, incredibly different and difficult challenges we would expect to go through. And we think, oh my gosh, is it going to work? Are they going to make it? And then to see them hang in there long enough to see circumstances come around uh, that help them to navigate through that. And all of a sudden, there's an ending you thought never possible. And you think, oh my gosh, how does that apply to my life? And uh, that's why movies and uh, even songs right i mean <clears throat> uh, country western music is three chords and a story basically uh, that 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 grabs your heart and opens your mind to all kinds of possibilities so here's the big idea of the morning you have a story to tell about god's grace in your life you have a story to tell about god's grace to you what is it what is your story <clears throat> and 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 let me speak to some of you who uh uh, maybe grew up with a faith. You might say, well, I, I don't really have a story. Uh, often uh, the, the traditional term is a testimony. What's your testimony? And I've heard from so many people who have grown up in a Christian environment, a Christian home, would say, I don't have a testimony. Well, I'll say, well, what do you mean you don't have a testimony? Well, I've never been a drug addict, an alcoholic. I was, not, I was too young to be in the Hells Angels. Uh, let's see what else. <clears throat> you know, uh, and they start going down this list of outrageous things they've never done or big accomplishments they've never had as if that means their testimony. And then I came to know Jesus. But your story uh, is better than that. You, you have a story uh, that will talk about God's grace in your life. Just let that sink in for a moment. You have a story about God's grace in your life. And telling your story will help you, learning to tell your story will help you understand it better and articulate it more clearly. And it takes practice. Uh, Marianne Mariani, raise your hand. She's in the very back there. <clears throat> Marianne Mariani, her job, her full-time professional job is to fly around, drive around Southern California, fly around the country, fly around the world and help high-functioning leaders tell their story. All of us need help telling our story. In fact, she created a wonderful ministry helping people tell their story about God's grace in them. So if you want uh, some great tips and pointers on that, uh, talk to that lady in the back because she is the embodiment of somebody who says no no you have a story I'm going to help you tell it help you understand it but most of us don't know our own story that well why because we're too close to it how can it be that interesting of a story it's me I don't have that big you know, amazing story that everybody seems to have and unfortunately we, we perpetuate this in the Christian world uh, the Christian world is as vulnerable to celebrity as, as the secular world Uh, If somebody said, hey, we'd like to come speak at our conference, you say, there's no way. I don't have that big, giant story that would be that compelling. But the fact is, all of us have a story. You don't need to be a poet uh, or a novelist or a filmmaker to tell your story. You simply need to become attuned to the story God has been writing in you and find a way to articulate that story. I love the way Young Life does it. Young Life has this concept of earning the right to be heard earning the right to be heard. <clears throat> they'll bring a, 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 a number of volunteer leaders together to, say, go to university high school. And that team will pray for the, the kids on that campus. They'll, they'll work it out with the administrators to be able to come on campus, perhaps. <clears throat> but they require everybody who's on that team to give at least one talk during the school year at the, at the gatherings that they have. Now, you can imagine. Think of you. Uh, this, is, this is the number one concern of anybody everywhere, is that they, I might have to get up and speak The biggest fear of most people, right, public speaking. But they would say, everybody in this team has to give at least one talk. Why? Because these kids need to hear your story. And so that person, just thinking, oh, no, am I going to faint, throw up, pee on myself? What am I going to do all at the same time or in sequence, you know, if I have to get up and do this? And the people pray for them, and they say, no, no, you're going to be okay. And, And they get up there, and what do they notice? The kids are like this. They're riveted. Why? Because they've earned the right to be heard. They know this isn't the main speaker, isn't the most interesting storyteller. What they do know is this, you came to my practice, when nobody else did. You came came to my my games, and I looked out and I saw my mom, my dad, and you. You were there for those conversations when I didn't think anybody was noticing I was going through a tough time. It goes on, 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 on. All those small ways that these people earned the right to be heard just by showing up and paying attention. So not only do we have a story to tell, we have the capacity to contribute to the story God is writing in other people's lives. Then would set them up to tell their story. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, because we've been talking about the impact of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And we've been talking about the impact of the Holy Spirit given to the people on Pentecost as Jesus promised he would do. And the Holy Spirit is doing a work in people that shapes a story of God's grace in you. He uses his word. He uses life experiences. He uses mentors, friends, uh, significant truth, amazing moments, camp. I wish you could have hear, heard all the details about camp. We, we got a download. We got our staff together in my office and said, okay. Tell us what happened at camp. And it was fantastic to hear all the drama. It was better than any soap opera or movie or telenovela. I mean, it was a dramatic week. You know, and it had all the elements that by midweek, I don't know if this is going to hold together. And by the end of the week, everybody was holding together, holding each other together. So I want to turn your attention to Psalm 145. It's the last psalm attributed to David. The last psalm attributed to David. And he says, I will exalt you, my God, the king. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Uh, you probably recognize this. This is the way you talk. Uh, when, when was the last time you were extolling? Uh, some things jump out at me. If I can just take a minute to frame this part, the rest of the psalm will make a lot of sense. He starts out with these four phrases, same phrase four times I will, I will, I will, and then it's implied, I will. I will exalt you, I will praise you, I will praise you, I will extol your name. So I will. It's a commitment to make it a habit, a practice. David is saying, This is what I, I habitually do. I've come to be so formed and shaped by your story in me that this is comes, this is like breathing for me now. And over the years he's been equipped to be able to do this. And, and of course, he was such a, a creative person anyway, he had the capacity. And now he's, he's used all that capacity to exalt and praise and extol God. And so this practice, this habit is part of telling our story. You need to get in practice in the habit of not telling a story about you, or another thing about me, but rather, oh, gosh, it reminds me of another thing I so appreciate about God, that God did, that I didn't know at the time. In fact, I was kind of angry at God until I saw what happened later, and I realized, oh, it was you. It was you all along. And so these three words, exalt, praise, and extol. To exalt is is to lift up to a higher position. And and it's a funny thing that the the root uh, Hebrew verb here is rum. It would be R-U-M, like rum. We'd say rum. That's what will help you tell stories. Rum will help you tell stories, but not the kind of stories we want to tell. But making room for God will help you tell your story. How do you make room for God? You lift him up above all the clutter of your life and you say, oh, that's who you are. This is the one on whom I want to focus and learn from. To praise uh, is the word uh, barach. Uh, if you know in Hebrew, it's like uh, baruch is, is to bless. Uh, barach uh, is to praise. It comes from the word berech, knee. So to praise in this manner means to kneel, Before God in humble worship, we praise by saying, Lord, you are above all. And out of reverent worship, we kneel before him. Exalt, praise, and then extol. It means to highly acclaim the merits of. And this is a familiar word to you. It's the Hebrew word halal, out of which we get what? Hallelujah. So, halal uh, is to extol, to say, Oh, let me tell you, there's so many great things to tell you about God, all of his attributes. Words fail me kind of a thing, to tell you all these great things. Don't you love it when, <clears throat> when you have a friend of a friend, a friend of their friend, who you haven't yet met yet, and they're telling you about the friend, and they start saying, oh, you're going to love her, and here's why. Now, may, there might be twinges of jealousy as, oh, really? She's that beautiful, and that slender, and that fit, and that talented. I hate her already. And just you know, <clears throat> No, but it's more like this. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to meet him. What a great guy. I can't wait to meet her. So, when you finally meet them, you go, oh, I've been looking forward to meeting you. I've heard so much about you. Of course, I'd like to hear your side of the story, but this is fantastic. So this is what we're doing as we extol the Lord. And so, why would we do this? Because David tells us great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He, he deserves this. You're not trying to build up his fragile ego. You're simply recognizing his awesome greatness. A greatness that uh, David tells us no one can fathom. And so what is our response to this? What's our responsibility in the face of this? Well, one generation commends you to another. One generation commends your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. One of the greatest things we can do is to tell our children about the glories of God. Now, you know, kids don't like anybody telling them anything. And, and, And the older they get, Matt, is this true of my own on the right track? Thank you. Okay, yeah. Um, but what, what every young person appreciates is an adult who is sensitive to their timing and is, in a sense, earning the right to be heard, not just barging in on their life, but by their observant presence, gives that person room to talk. And they finally say, Hey, I've been thinking about this. Oh, really? What have you been thinking? Well, I've been thinking about it. Well, here's what you should do. No. What are you even thinking about? What are you feeling? How are you, how, you processing that? Well, And as you have those conversations, inadvertently, inevitably, it leads to the glory and the greatness of God. Well, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've seen. I'm working it through my own life. I, I, I don't have it all together yet, certainly. But over and over again, I keep coming back to this, that God loves me unconditionally or that His Word actually is true and I, if I depend on it, things go way better than when I reject it. You see where I'm going, where I'm going with this? The powerful one generation commends your works to another. It's not, listen, man, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to straighten you out, Greg. It's rather me and Greg are standing there together like some of you were last night looking at the sunset as you were at the Pops concert. That stunning sunset, you're thinking, who is in, who is in charge of this? This is awesome. <laughs> the music is amazing. The symphony, the master chorale, and then you have this insane panorama of God's creation surrounding you. And... and, and and what's going on? Everybody at that point is literally shoulder to shoulder going, whoa, oh, Ah! You, know, you can't even articulate it. That's what it means to commend together a young person, and an older person, a newbie and a, and a mature Christian saying, look at God, what do you think of that? You go to Yosemite, you don't have to be the guy who's climbed every place in Yosemite, you just have to be a guy who likes Yosemite talking to the tourist who has no idea what it is. And you're both saying, this is awesome. And so they speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. And so the best legacy and the best way we can pray for our children is is to help them see the glory of God. To help them see the glory of God. In all kinds of ways. Sending a kid to camp makes it possible for them to get a glimpse of the glory of God. Because you come back and they say, Something happened up there. Yeah, was a great place and everything. We had some struggles during the week, but man, the way it all came together, all I could do is give God glory for that. May He may He be seen in us by our kids and grandkids. May we give our kids a sense that I can see the glory of God in you. This is very powerful. So, we commend and tell and meditate on, we proclaim, we celebrate, we joyfully sing God's glorious story. We don't have to exaggerate it. You don't need to speak in superlatives about it because just recognizing Him is superlative. And so, He says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all, He has compassion. And all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. A word of which you are now an expert, I might add. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. If you ever get generational anxiety... And I'm now talking to all of you boomers, because us millennials, (laughs) uh, (coughs) oh, I'm a boomer, I'm sorry. Uh, (coughs) No generational uh, generational anxiety necessary. Why? Because God is faithful to all generations. And if you want to ameliorate your anxiety, invest in commending God to those generations coming up behind you. Why? Because his dominion endures forever, and the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall. Are you falling right now? Are you, are you, are you weighed down with concerns or anxieties? Are you making uh, have bad things happened to you, or are you making some bad things happen? God wants to meet you at that place. He says he lifts up all who are bowed down. And the word here, the phrase here, isn't just bowed down by the pressures and burdens of life. It's bowed down as in, I'm bowing before you in prayer. Again, it's another one of these words that are used to invoke a sense of humility before God. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and what happens? He will lift you up. And so the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire the desires of every living thing. We have an open-handed God. What does he do? He opens up his hands and says, give me your burdens. Give me your sin. He opens his hands and he says, I forgive you your sin. I welcome you into my my presence. I call you my friend. What do you need? I have what you need. Take my hand. Walk with me, right? This is the God that we serve, the open-handed God who satisfies the desires of every living thing. And so the Lord is righteous in all his ways. And faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. Calling on him in truth is just simply being honest. Lord, help me. Here's why. It's not praying, Lord, make right what I'm trying to make wrong. Bless what I'm trying to do that I know is not according to your will or your word. And it's not even helpful for the people around me. But just would you bless that this one time? That's not true. What's true is this. Lord, can I be part of what you are blessing? Can I be part of the good work you are doing in me and around me? Can I be part of you leading me through this difficult circumstance and hard season so that I then can embrace all these attributes covered in Psalm 145? Psalm 145 is not wishful thinking. It's an articulation of the actual God who loves us and is for us. And so he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Ultimately, there will be a day of justice. God is a just God. That's part of his glory. And So my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. This is the language of sorry. And so my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. And let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. David can't contain himself here, right? You just feel that sense. This is an acrostic psalm. Uh, It means he took the Hebrew alphabet and, and after each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, wrote a line. Try that sometime. It's really fun with A, B, and C. Getting down to X, Y, and Z, it's a little, Y is not bad actually, but X and Z can be really tough, you know? But so that's what he does. It's a structured psalm. But what it is, it's this compelling picture of God. It makes you say, I want more of this that's what I want. Me too. And why David can't contain himself is that he knows he doesn't deserve it. I put that in perspective. David is writing this knowing he actually doesn't deserve it. That's why it's so, so um, filled with energy and movement. He knows he can be wicked. He knows he can be unbowed. He knows he has sinned, and he knows he's unworthy of God. But he's rejoicing in this psalm. Why? Because he wrote Psalm 40 and 51. And 40 says, you know, I was, in a, I was in a pit. It was slippery. I couldn't get out. I was weighed heavy, overcome by my sin, and you rescued me. 51 follows his adulterous affair with Bathsheba. That would have been bad enough, but he sent her husband to his sure death and <clears throat> made it look like just a battlefield incident. Until so Nathan had to confront him and say, he told him this incredible story that, that was a heart-rending story about a little lamb that's taken by some neighbors from a, a little family that treats it as a pet, and then they use it as a feast offering for a guest. And David is beside himself with anger over that, and, and Nathan says, you are that man. So David knows how low he can go. And so Psalm 51 is him pouring out his heart, facing his sin, recognizing what he's done. I have sinned against you alone, O Lord. It's heartbreaking to read 40 and 51. David wrote them. That's why he can write 145 and be convincing about it. He rejoices because he knows himself and he knows God. So, this psalm tells a story of God's amazing grace. It doesn't use the word grace, but it's flooding over, filled with God's grace. Exalting, praising, extolling his mighty works that are revealed and expressed in his compassion, mercy, faithfulness, righteousness, goodness to us. So, David has a story to tell. So do you. Now, wouldn't it be great... If you could sit down with David and talk through this psalm with him, I bet it would so confirm and inspire our own story, because he would say, yeah, here's what I was going through, here's why I did it, and there'd be moments when he'd be silent. He'd go, man, I don't know why I did that. Oh, yeah, I do. My own willfulness, my fear, my resentment. God gave me everything I needed and wanted, and I just, I don't know why that wasn't enough. And you would be saying, yeah, me too. And David would go, yeah. We're a lot alike that way. I'm thinking, first of all, I'm having a conversation with King David, through whom Jesus, the Messiah, is promised. And we and I are talking like we're on the same page. Why is that? Because you are on the same page. Variations on a theme. You have a story like his story by the way, every observant Jew says this Psalm, 145, three times a day, twice in the morning and once in the evening. Why? Because it resonates, it resonates. How about Peter or Paul? Is their story anything like yours, yours anything like theirs? You might say, well, no. I kind of believe maybe mine was like David. I can't imagine Peter and Paul. I've been in St. Peter's in Rome. I've been in St. Paul's in London. But Peter says this, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. It's the real deal. You got the authentic version. It's exactly like mine. It's shocking to think about. And so he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And because your faith is as precious as Peter's, you have a significant story to tell about God's grace in you. So if you're standing in St. Peter's someday or St. Paul's, and you're with people, you say, you know what? There's a great story behind this place. Oh, yes, sir. Christopher Wren. Yeah, no, 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 Paul. And you know what? He and I share a story. And people go, right. It sounds like you've shared too many pints today. No, here's the story. It's the story of God's grace. Same way in St. Peter. And so we see Paul saying in, in his letter to the Thessalonians, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Well, how do you do that? Well, you share your story of God's grace. And you pay so closely, you pay such close attention to these people that you see them. And you see the story of God's grace unfolding and being written in them. And so we get to speak into one another's stories. Hey, I see God doing this in you. I see this happening in you. Are you seeing this? Lots of times people say, I feel called to do something. And that's a that's an authentic feeling and a thing you should act on prayerfully, but the call isn't confirmed until somebody else confirms it, until the body of Christ confirms it. Until then, it's a call you're pursuing and processing. And this is the powerful thing about people speaking into our lives and being in community, because they help write that story, they help us articulate that story, they help us recognize that that was God in that. And so, encourage one another and build each other up by, by sharing your stories with one another of God's grace in you. Paul told his story of God's grace in four ways. How he met Jesus, uh, we know that <clears throat> he, uh, he was complicit in the murder of a man named Stephen, a very righteous man, he was stoned to death. Paul stood there and watched, approved of it. Uh, we see that was in chapter eight of Acts, act nine. He's on his way to Damascus to find more guys like Stephen to get rid of them. Jesus confronts him, knocks him off his high horse, literally, and that changes Paul's life forever. And so the thing we know about Paul's story is that he met Jesus and how he met Jesus. Then he tells us throughout his letters how he served Jesus, preaching, teaching, connecting, hanging out with people, bringing the wisdom of God to Greek and Jew, who had each a form of wisdom, but Paul said, now here's the bigger context and impact of the wisdom that you are embracing there's a larger frame of reference for that wisdom. It's Jesus Christ who makes our wisdom look foolish. We're going to be launching a series this next week on wisdom in bite sized pieces. So, this summer, we'll be walking through uh, wisdom literature in the Old and New Testament, uh, talking about what does it look like, this wisdom, and how do we appropriate it in bite sized pieces. He talks about how he struggled serving Jesus. Health weaknesses, imperfections, enemies and frenemies. This is a a really problematic thing for a lot of people because you think, well, I I get that I'm saved in Jesus, and and yeah, I'm getting, I should be serving Jesus with the gifts he's giving. It's kind of inconvenient, but okay, I'll I'll, I'll do that. But, But then as soon as people experience pushback or the dissonance of working with other people, the inevitable conflict of working with other people, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not what I signed up for. Just let me put it in in context and bold relief for you. Serving the Lord is a pain in the um, (laughs) rear end. It is a pain in the rear end. If it's not a pain in the rear end, you're really not committed yet. You might be functioning as a volunteer. You're volunteering for God. Volunteering for God says, I'll do that to help you as long as it's convenient for me. A person who's actually serving the Lord says, I'm responding to your call in my life, Lord. And in the midst of that call, you will have pushback, you'll be misunderstood, you'll be misrepresented, you'll be criticized, it can get very ugly. But ultimately, if somebody said, well, then why should you just quit? You'd say, well, because God's called me. Now, sometimes God will call you to, hey, I finished this and I need to go do that. But this, this idea of telling your story makes room for the fact that, wow, even in my best efforts to serve God, it got really hard. This is not to dissuade you from using your gifts to serve Jesus. It's saying, just be ready for the inevitable. What if Paul had quit? Do you know if you read all of his letters, you will identify some key points when he's in a nervous breakdown mode. Paul was so driven to his knees, and, and so worn out and turned inside and out. It's heartbreaking to read it. You see, like 1 Corinthians 10, he's, he's dealing with people who are criticizing him, and you're not good enough, and this is not right, and, 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 and he's tempted to say, well, hey, here's all the great things I've done, and then he says, oh, why am I doing that? But he was in a really dark place. He was in a really hard place. Uh, he was a statue, and all of his friends were pigeons. <laughs> I'll just wait another minute for the rest of you to catch up with that. And <laughs> but what did he say? Lord, in my weakness, your strength is present and perfected. And so then he, he can talk about how Jesus ministered to him in his struggle. That's the beauty. He would say, yeah, yeah, I went through these hard, hard things. You go, wow, that's horrible, man. What a tough story. He goes, well, well that's not the end of my story. Because Jesus ministered to me through the Holy Spirit, through people, through his word significant spiritual experiences significant people the significance of the holy spirit that's what got me through god didn't send jesus to die on the cross so we could go to church he sent jesus to die on the cross so we could go to work step by step with him we could be part of his work and his work in us so what's your story of god's grace You don't need to embellish or diminish your story. It's enough to simply tell it. Being artful about your story is great. Being deceitful, not so much. (laughs) You don't need to, you know, aggrandize your, there's another great thing about me. It's not about you. It's about him in you. You can reframe your story with the help of Marianne Mariani, but you don't want to reinvent your story. But the more you live into your own story, the more clear it will become to you and the better you will articulate it. And, and more likely, you'll be able to say, you know, I can tell you the good, bad, the indifferent, because all of it <clears throat> is, is to God's glory and my redemption. So you're not trying to impress anybody. You're simply encouraging them. A story of grace is essentially a story of thanksgiving to God. We, he moves us from blame and denial to praise and acclamation. And so we thank him for rescuing us and redeeming us in Christ And so telling your story is your best effort at describing what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've learned, what you've experienced, what you've endured, what you've done, what you've encountered in your life with him. These stories of grace chronicle how, with the help of God and people, we're able to take charge of our lives, even as we laid our lives at his feet. So how did you meet Jesus? Who and what has helped you grow in your walk with him? How do you serve Jesus? What are you doing in his name to bless others in a way that is costing you something? How have you struggled serving him? What people or circumstances have been hard for you? It will be hard for you. Years ago, I went through a very difficult circumstance, and a person came up to me and said, wow, that was, that was horrible. I said, yeah, it was. He goes, for another reason, you might not know. I said, well, what? He said, my son always wanted to be a minister, and after he saw what you went through, he's not going to be one. I said, well, that'd be a big mistake because if God's called him to be a minister, he needs to be faithful to that calling. This was bad, granted, but we don't get to control that stuff. Have you struggled serving him? What people or circumstances have been hard for you? And as you go through those times, inevitably... How has he ministered to you in your struggles? How does he want to minister to you in your struggles? I won't ask for a show of hands, but I bet if I asked you to raise your hand, if you've been through a very big struggle in the last year, pretty much everybody's hand would go up. Stuff that cut you to the quick, made you feel betrayed, made you feel taken for granted, abandoned, abused, disrespected. um, And you're thinking, I don't get it. You don't have to get it. God gets it on your behalf. And you get to get him because that's how he's going to minister to you. So it never has to become about that circumstance or those people or even your failings. It becomes about his work in you. Why is that important? Because he's doing a work of grace in you in order to do a work of grace through you. He's doing this beautiful work in you with all the hard stuff included in order to do a compelling work of grace through you. So scars are included scars are included. <clears throat> Some of you know I have a scar on my shoulder. Let me show you right now. Just to, no. <laughs> um, but when our, our kids were growing up they one time you know we were playing or in the pool or something and and, and, and they said, "Daddy, where where did you get that scar on, on on your shoulder?" I said, "Your uncle Scott did that to me." <laughs> "Uncle Scott did that to you with a knife?" daddy uncle scott did that with a knife and then our eldest daughter goes wait a minute isn't he a surgeon (laughs) (laughs) yes he is but he still did it to me with a knife (laughs) and i'm holding to that story yeah what's the story well when uh, it turns out that uh, climbing and skiing i dislocated my shoulder one time scott and i were down at pirate's cove in newport beach and we're bouldering on these rocks and all of a sudden, I took this one thing, and I grabbed and I pulled it one-handed on this thing, and all of a sudden, my shoulder just boop. I dislocate my shoulder. I jumped down about 10 feet onto the beach. He goes, what happened? I said, I think I dislocated my shoulder. And he said, well, I'm an orthopedic surgeon specializing in shoulders. Yes, you did. <laughs> I'll schedule an appointment for you. And the last thing I remember was him saying, uh, what would you like me to be listening to as I work on you today? And so the beautiful thing is, yes, it's a scar, but it made my shoulder functional. So like now when I'm doing the Iron Cross, it is so much more comfortable. And, you know, The idea here, put your scars in context. They have to be in the context of Psalm 145. Maybe the context for you starts in Psalm 40 or Psalm 51. But ultimately, the context of your scars in Christ allows you to have a story of grace. Don't apologize for your scars. Don't be embarrassed by your scars. Just say, this is me, and and let me tell you what this means. So our goals now know Uncle Scott fixed my daddy's shoulder. And I talked to Scott last week, and I said, hey, by the way, 30 years ago, thanks for fixing my shoulder. He goes, yeah, man, my pleasure. So this is the story you need to tell. Your grace story is your experience of God's grace and his great and enduring love for you. This is the story you need to tell. This is the story... We need to hear, so please, please, please pay attention to your story and learn to tell your story, and start by telling your story to us. So, Lord Jesus, this is my prayer for my brothers and sisters, for each one in this room, as we reflect on the plot line of our life, the complexities, the twists, the turns, the big conflicts, the major disappointments, the setbacks, the breakthroughs, all of that, Lord, may we see your hand in it. May we understand your abiding presence through it. And Lord, as you give us words and as we learn to articulate the story of grace in us, may we find appropriate ways to bless others as we tell the story of grace. We pray this together in your name. And as we receive the offering of this morning and continue worshiping you, we say amen. It is always well when Deneen is in the house, that's for sure. Thank you, and thank you, thank you. So if you are here today and you could say, but it is not well with my soul, dip deep into his well, you'll find all the love, forgiveness, mercy, courage, compassion that you need to be well in your soul. If it's not well with you, don't leave before helping us, uh, letting us pray with you and helping you. Uh, Go deep in him uh, to be refreshed by the one in him alone. We find our refreshment. May it be well with your soul as you walk with him and experience him one day at a time, both now and forever. And have a wonderful, wonderful uh, week celebrating the freedom that we have in this country. And just remember, you are free in Christ to experience everything that you've heard prayed and spoken and sung today. This is your birthright, your legacy in him because he loves you and wants you to be free in him. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all, giving us his peace, his mercy, his power, his love, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.